Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. Welcome to Born of Wonder. On this podcast, we explore anything and everything that inspires wonder and awe in the world. I'm your host, Katie Marquette, and I'm so glad to have you with me. Um, I've been pre-recording episodes, so I haven't gotten a chance to uh, thank Michelle Benzinger of the Abiding Together podcast for recommending Born of Wonder on the first episode of uh, their latest season. I know I have quite a few new listeners thanks to her recommendation, so I just wanted to thank her so much for that. Um, Abiding Together is such a lovely podcast, so encouraging. Um, I just love uh, love love the care and um, and community that they've created and I was so honored that uh, that she recommended the podcast so um, thank you to Michelle and I'm so glad if you found the podcast through abiding together if you're a new listener so welcome uh, on today's podcast it's going to be all about my favorite person uh, fictional or not <laughs> Joe March um, of little women so I think I'm going to do a part one part two little women um, extravaganza here uh, not not in order necessarily I already have some podcast episodes lined up uh, for the next few weeks but um, I'll come back to uh, talk about Little Women and the idea of adaptation uh, Little Women is one of the the most adapted stories uh, of the past few centuries uh, there are movies there are plays um, and there are have been two great adaptations actually in film uh, just in the past 30 years or so the 1990s uh, version and the Greta Gerwig version that came out um, in 2019 and that latest version in particular I found absolutely beautiful stunning it really moved me there was something about Saoirse Ronan's performance as Joe um, that just really really touched me and it was just one of those instances of being reminded of a story um, uh, at the right time in life I just I needed to I needed Joe's um, sort of courage and conviction and artistic integrity and everything I needed I needed a, a reminder of that at that point in my life and that movie found me then so I think I will do a separate episode just to talk about the idea of adaptation I'm really hoping that my husband Chris will uh, chat with me on on that second episode about adaptation because we both absolutely loved the Greta Gerwig uh, version uh, we saw it in theaters multiple times together we had lots of long chats about it um, just it really got us really actually sort of inspired a, a big Greta Gerwig binge in general watching her other films talking about um, films in general, her influences, uh, and also um, just had us both really, really inspired artistically. And uh, so I'm hoping I can chat with him about that. But um, I think that will be a whole separate episode. Um, there's just too much to talk about with Little Women. This story, it just, I don't know what it is about it. I love the love between these sisters. I love the the family dynamic with, with Marmee and their father. And um, 
I, I just, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful, uh, be- beautiful example of family life. Um, and I love the individual personalities of the sisters and their individual talents and desires. And there's just so much, so much to talk about. Um, there's also uh, really no villain in Little Women. I saw, I saw, I think it was like a tweet recently where it was like, "Who's the villain in Little Women?" And it's, it's like Scarlet Fever. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's mortality. It's, it's the, it's the struggles of life. Um, but actually, everyone in the story, though they have conflicts, you know, Lori and Joe have conflicts. Um, they, they're all good. They, they all wish, uh, wish each other well, um, at, even as they struggle in their own personal flaws and um, sort of contradictory desires sometimes. But everyone is so good in this story. So it's a really refreshing story in that way. And I hope revisiting it and specifically revisiting Joe March's character is going to inspire us all today. Um, but before I get going, um, I wanted to just remind you that if you want to read blog posts, get in touch with me, things like that, you can um, go to bornofwonder.com. You can also find me on Instagram at bornofwonder. And uh, I have started a Patreon. Um, there's only uh, one option right now. It's $2 a month. I'm working on a little thank you gift to send out uh, just to, to the people who have become patrons already, which I so appreciate. Um, just this, you know, just... The, the, anyone who becomes a patron, this directly goes to helping me um, make the podcast. Uh, I do have to have a significant amount of subscriptions to make it uh, sort of at the quality that I want it to be. I have to have a po- podcast hosting platform. I subscribe to music licensing uh, services. Um, I recently subscribed to something called Squadcast, which allows me to do remote interviews so I can keep um, you know, inviting interesting people on the podcast, things like that. So thank you so much. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Um, Another way to support the podcast is, of course, just to share it and leave a review, uh, which means a lot to me as well. But anyway, without further ado, let's get going talking about Joe March. And I'm going to be uh, sort of reading from and quoting from an essay I wrote uh, about two years ago now called Why We All Want to Be Joe March. And you can uh, find it in the link in the show notes. But I'm also going to be drawing audio from uh, from both the recent uh uh, well, you know, semi-recent <laughs> adaptations of Little Women, um, just to to immerse us in this story. If you if you haven't read Little Women, um, I recommend it. Uh, there's a great audiobook version narrated by Barbara Caruso. I remember I listened to that version a couple of summers ago, and it was just great to have in my ears as I took the dogs for a walk, things like that. Especially, actually, if you're already familiar with the story, I think this is a great um, great book to listen to on audiobook because it's just so so um so lovely to revisit and uh and and it put me in mind at at least of being uh being a child again of being read to and i do think that this book is a wonderful book to read out loud uh so i recommend the book of course i recommend the the movies uh but um so if if you aren't familiar with joe march hopefully this will introduce uh introduce you to her a bit and what an amazing inspirational character she is and uh and get you to read the book and watch the movies uh and if you already love joe march like I do, um, I think that this will be an opportunity to figure out why we love her so much, why she has inspired so many women uh, and men um, throughout the years, and uh, and I think this will be a lot of fun. Also, just a quick aside here, there will be some spoilers about the plot of Little Women if you uh, really want to go in completely fresh, maybe wait uh, and revisit this episode later.
Interview any woman writer and odds are they will bring up Joe March. Everyone from Nora Ephron to J.K. Rowling to Susan Sontag to Simone de Beauvoir has claimed the bookish and bold heroine of Louisa May Alcott's 150-plus-year-old classic, Little Women, as a personal inspiration. They cite Joe's literary prowess, her independence, her adventurous spirit, and her rebellious nature as having a profound impact on their young, impressionable minds. I suspect many of these women are the same women who love Elizabeth Bennet. Both Lizzie and Joe are brash, witty, literary, and unafraid to stand up to the men in their lives. They both resist the status quo, constantly searching for authenticity in a world of superficiality. Yet Joe, even more than Elizabeth, touches something deep in many a young woman's soul. I can't remember my first encounter with the March family, but I also can't remember a time when I wasn't aware of them. I must have had Little Women read to me, probably by my grandmother, the person in my family who introduced me to so many beautiful fictional worlds. My grandma's favorite, however, was Maud Hart Lovelace's Bessie Tacey series, and it was these girls' adventures, along with Tib, a later addition to the series, and not the March sisters that dominated my childhood imagination. So when I rediscovered Little Women as an adult, I was enthralled. I loved Joe's courage, honesty, and big heart. Of course, like all bookish souls, I also identified with her determination to write and her lust for adventure. The feminist angle, a bold young woman resisting traditional roles and making her way in a man's world, is the obvious modern appeal of Joe. But I'm concerned that overly focusing on these aspects of her character distract us from the deeper elements of Joe's story. These deeper elements are evident in a number of pivotal moments in Little Women, but I'll focus on two instances. Probably the most famous scene, other than Joe's controversial rejection of Lori, I, side note, I think that she was right to reject him. I am pro-Professor Bear, but maybe that's a different podcast episode. Anyway, when, is when Joe cuts her hair and sells it for $25. A telegram has arrived with the news that shocks the March family. Mr. March, away fighting in the Civil War, has been gravely injured. Mrs. March must get a train ride right away to be at his side. Joe steals off during the general mayhem and sells her hair for money. You're one beauty, the dramatic and vain Amy cries when Joe takes off her bonnet. Joe brushes off the concern and shock. After all, it's only hair and it will grow back. We as readers are all bowled over by this self-sacrificial gesture and Joe's apparent detachment from her appearance. Yet we quickly learn that Joe is not quite as confident as she appears. That night, her sister Meg hears her crying and assumes she is weeping with worry over their ailing father. The truth is, is that Joe is mourning the loss of her lustrous mane after all. Joe March, confident, witty, and bold on the outside, is actually a very sensitive soul. Here is a heroine who is not perfect. In fact, Joe is incredibly flawed. She is often selfish and thoughtless. She berates her more traditionally-minded sister Meg for having fallen in love with the young tutor John Brooke and for wanting to abandon the family. For all her talk of big adventures, Joe actually doesn't want much in her life to change. She loves having all her sisters at home and resents Meg for wanting to pursue a family life of her own. When Meg's engagement is announced, Joe can hardly eat her dinner. She is so upset. When petulant Amy burns Joe's manuscript, Joe vows she will never speak to her sister again. While her rage is certainly understandable, the strength of Joe's hatred is intense. Her mother warns her not to let a passing moment, moment ruin her relationship with Amy, but Joe is inconsolable. Ultimately, Amy, distraught, filled with regret, nearly drowns under the ice when trying to keep up with Joe and Lori. Luckily, Amy survives, and Joe is spared the regret of having disowned a sister for a momentary lapse of judgment. And while no one in the family can fault Angelic Beth, 
Joe must realize that her grief over her sickly sister's illness and impending death have much more to do with her own heartbreak than her sister's well-being. She also must come to the realization that no matter how much money she earns from her stories and no matter how many restorative seaside holidays she pays for, Beth is still going to die. Joe's need for control over situations and people often suppresses her ability to love them completely. And even in her moments of self-sacrificing heroism, like when she cuts her hair, Joe is often much more scared and conflicted than she lets on. Yet it is in these moments that she earns our adoration most of all. Here is a young woman plagued by so many recognizable flaws, selfishness, egoism, a need for control, and yet she fights valiantly against the darker parts of her own nature, insisting on creating a life of meaning, purpose, and authenticity. The second instance of profound importance in the development of Joe's character is the initial criticism she receives from Professor Baer and her reaction to it. Having moved to New York for a taste of La Vie Bohème, Joe has been writing frantically. She has made new friends and is actually enjoying earning a decent amount of money from her writing. She has been selling stories of high drama involving fainting ladies, monsters, vampires, exciting duels. Yet during a German lesson with her new friend, Professor Baer, she learns what he thinks of stories like hers. He dismisses a local newspaper for pu publishing s sensational rubbish and actually accuses such writers of moral delinquency, filling young people's heads with nonsense. Those are just stories, of course. But I'm working on a novel. And your novel? It will be like this? Yes. So far, anyway. With plots like this? Jaws and, and killing? And... It sells, so... Why don't you sign your real name? Oh, my mother wouldn't like it. It's too gory for her. And I want to help with the money I make and not worry her. You know, I, I, I don't like them. Honestly, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I think that they're not good. Uh, but they're, they're published in the, in the papers, and people have always said that I'm talented. Oh, I think you're talented, which is why I'm being so, so blunt. Joe is deeply hurt. The professor sees her blush and realizes his faux pas. Most modern readers hate this scene. They see the professor as an old fuddy-duddy trying to put Joe, a forward-thinking young woman, in her place. But while I may enjoy a good gothic romance every now and then, I understand the professor's point. He knows Joe is a remarkably intelligent and capable woman. He knows she can do better. While Joe's initial reaction to the professor's comments is shock, anger, bitterness, she ultimately is able to read her own work with fresh eyes. She realizes that while she may be paying the bills, she is not advancing as a writer. She knows she is capable of deeper, truer works of art. Joe is always pushing herself to do better, and ultimately she appreciates those people in her life who challenge her. I'm not going to attempt to tackle the Laurie versus Professor debate here, but the important point here is that Joe is a woman who needs honest, challenging people in her life. I think many women, writers in particular, recognize this need for authentic mentors. Joe didn't need someone to pat her on the back and tell her she did a good job. She needed someone who would give her an honest critique. So while many readers identify with Joe's ambition and drive, ultimately it is her kindness, tenacity, and self-sacrificial nature that makes her such an enduring literary figure. 
Joe's heroism is the normal sort. She may dream of fighting duels in foreign lands, but ultimately her greatest battles are with the very ordinary evils of anger, selfishness, and fear. I would argue it is this valiant battle in the realm of the mundane that makes Joe March everyone's favorite heroine. And when at last Joe and Professor Bear realize their love for one another, he is deeply moved. Please don't go so far away. Joe, such a little name for such a person. Will you have me? With all of my heart. But I have nothing to give you. My hands are empty. Not empty now. How we adore Joe in this scene, her delightful boldness, for she never would learn to be proper, and her insistence that all life's burdens can be redeemed by open hands and open hearts. While Louisa May Alcott famously intended Joe to end up un unmarried like Alcott herself, I don't think this scene detracts from Joe's strength or independence. Even if Joe had ended up a successful single writer, her character development would still hinge on the love she was willing to give and receive. Joe's vulnerability is part of what makes her brave. Joe teaches us that words have meaning. The stories we tell and the stories we live matter. With each adaptation of Little Women, new audiences are rediscovering the endless allure of a woman in pursuit of greatness. Joe gives us permission to pursue authentic art and authentic love in a world often opposed to both. We all want to be Joe March because in many ways, in the most important ways, we already are. So I hope you enjoyed um, that just a little essay there on Joe March and uh, and and what what an amazing character she is. What a what a phenomenally rich, complex character she is, and how she can inspire all of us to uh, to pursue an authentic life and to uh, and, and to and to keep keep working at ourselves you know that's one of the things I love about Joe is that she, she she's a naturally temperamental kind of selfish person but she she loves uh so deeply she loves her sisters and her family so much and um and she she pushes herself and she loves writing she loves art and she wants to do it right and I think um that even when when she's flawed uh when she uh, when, when, you know, the, the sort of less ideal parts of her nature, um, take over, she's always, she's always pushing herself. And I think we can all learn from that. I think there's also something to be said here about the quote unquote mundane story of little women. You know, she thinks she has to write these big fantasies, these big epics and this, uh, sort of, um, outrageous storylines in order to get attention. And, uh, this, this mirrors Louisa May Alcott's own life. Um, but really, it was it was the simple, beautiful, real story of of a family uh, of her family. That was the story that she was supposed to write. So I think that there's also something to ask here about what is the story that we want to write, and what is the story we're supposed to write. Um, whether that's literally writing or just in the way that you live in the world, the story that you are telling yourselves and others um, ab about the life you are leading. If you want, you can go back and listen to to uh, the episode "Living the Story of Your Life." Um, which really was so inspired by Joe and uh, and how she she taught me um, that my life is a story and that uh, that we're we're always writing a story and that we have to choose what kind of story we want we want to live. So 
I hope this was inspiring. I just want to turn on Little Women right now. Watch it again for the 50,000th time. <laughs> um, a little uh, just pre sort of backstory here into how I'm recording this. Um, my husband took the baby to my mother-in-law's this afternoon so I could get some cleaning done and get some things done around the house. And uh, this is actually the first time I've been alone in the house since before she was born so it was a very exciting moment for me and I just blasted the um, Mamma Mia soundtrack so I'm gonna recommend that just with a you know a note that it's ABBA like it is what it is but I mean if you just want to dance around your house uh, I really can't imagine a better soundtrack (laughs) Uh, I hope (laughs) I hope this is fun and um, of course my my biggest recommendation that I'm leaving you with is Little Women Um, uh, the book the movie just uh I think that I, I, I highly recommend it and um, I hope that we can continue to have some more interesting discussions about it because I could talk about Little Women all day long. And uh, thank you as always for the reviews and thank you so much to those who have become patrons. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I would love to, to chat with you if you ever want to direct message me on um, Instagram or uh, email me through the website. I really do uh, enjoy the friends that I've met through this podcast, through this whole project. So I wish you warmer weather. Yes, even I am wishing for warmer weather. I'm sure some of my friends are laughing after I talk so much about how much I love the cold, but I don't know about where you are, but January has been bleak, very bleak, icy, muddy, long days, um, long cold days uh, that get dark very early. So even I am ready for spring. So I, I, I'm, I'm wishing you all warmer weather, good books, good stories, um, and, and, a, and a bold, adventurous life like Joe's. So thank you so much for listening. As always, I'm Katie Marquette, and this is Born of Wonder. This is the point where I would normally play you some ABBA, play you some Mamma Mia music out, but uh, I got in trouble with Spotify, or rather with uh, Universal Music Studios for playing it on this episode. So in the hopes that this restores um, this episode to, to Spotify, I have removed uh, the ABBA music. Um, normally under fair use, it's okay to to play a little bit in reference, but um, you know, with with a band like ABBA, you know, they're they're not they're not messing around. Totally, totally understandable. So just look it up for your Yourself, listen to some Mamma Mia and uh, enjoy, dance around, and uh, I will be with you next time. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, Let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing.